morning. Uh, this morning I'm going to um, be looking at two of uh, the miracles of Jesus. We're going to be in the book of Mark. So we're going to, oh, is that, do I got a problem? I don't know why. Every time I never do a problem. It's really simple. It's just one button to push. <laughs> so we're going to look at two, two miracles. We're going to look at the, uh, the loaves, the multiplying of the loaves, and then we're going to string right into Jesus walking on the water. Uh, so I got a lot that I'm going to cover, and I'm going to try and keep moving along, but you know every once in a while something's going to grab me, and I'm going to ha have to stop, but hopefully I'll move along quickly. Uh, so that, that's one. But the other thing is, is that the real challenge for today, for all of us, is that we're so familiar with these scriptures. I bet you, you could stand up and tell me the story. So the, the challenge of that is, when we're so familiar with scripture, how do we still remain open to allowing the spirit to move so that we can hear something new, so that we can see something new, so that he can take us a little deeper. That's the challenge. So I'm encouraging you, don't turn out. Don't start thinking about your grocery list. Uh, because even if I don't bring up something new, that doesn't mean the spirit isn't speaking to you this morning and is going to speak a special word to you that nobody else is going to get. We have to remain open. Okay. Uh, I'm going to just kind of set it up. We're going to start with uh, Mark 6 with verse 34. But I can tell you um, what's happened before this. Jesus has gathered uh, his disciples, and he sent the 12 out to go preaching, he gave them authority to cast out spirits, and they have come back uh, to report to him about their mission. And it says that they were so, it, so busy, there were so many people coming and going, that they didn't even have time to eat. Jesus says to them, uh, now I need you to come away with me. Just come, just yourselves with me into the boat, we're going to go to a quiet place where you can rest. Okay, that's where, uh, I'm going to pick it up from there, but I have to say something about that. All of us are out ministering. You say, well, I, I wasn't ordained a minister. Ministry means to be a servant. We're all out there. You are a minister to your family. You're a minister in your workplace. You're a minister everywhere you go that is somebody in need. And so we have to remember that we have to go back and take that quiet time to rest with Jesus. Uh, just the, the, to remember, our identity doesn't come from what we do, but our identity comes from Jesus. And so to go back and to sit with him is so vital. You can't minister to others you can't feed others if you have not been fed yourself. You, uh, you can't live on, in a sense, yesterday's glory. You need a new revelation. You need 
we eat every day. I eat a lot. I put the mic on and it pinched my fat. I said, ooh, Mike, I gained more weight. <laughs> well, I better be eating spiritually as well. Keeping myself fed. Okay. Oh, it's right up there. I don't even have to climb the stairs. Okay, so we begin. When Jesus landed and saw the large crowd, so the, they've gotten the boat, they headed to that quiet place, they've landed, and when they get on shore, there is a huge multitude. Okay, there goes the rest. It says, he had, meaning Jesus, compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And I got to stop there. I know I barely even got going. Um, but I think of Ezekiel 34. If you haven't read Ezekiel 34 in a while, go back and read Ezekiel 34. Because this line, the, uh, uh, they were like sheep without a shepherd. That, that is such a beautiful, it, it really speaks about, it's a warning and a woe to the false shepherds. And then if you read far enough and you don't stop there, about the sheep that have gotten fat and they have trampled down the pasture and nobody else can eat. It's about taking care of yourself. It's a warning. But in it, there's this beautiful description. He talks about how the sheep have been scattered because there's been nobody to take care of them or to pasture them. And so they've been scattered and they're lost and they're vulnerable to prey. And he talks about how they're weak. But then he comes back and he says, uh, the sovereign Lord, I myself will shepherd them. And I will go and I will gather them back. And I will take out the lost. And I will feed the hungry. And I will give them rest. And I will bind up their wounds. And I will strengthen the weak. And this is what we're seeing reflected when Jesus is there. And the intention was we're going to go and rest just kind of be refreshed, but when he sees that crowd, when he sees the of his people, he can't help it. Compassion, it just draws out of him, and he begins to teach them. It says many things. He begins to teach them about the kingdom. He begins to teach them about the Father. He begins to teach them about the ways uh, that are so contrary to the ways of the world. Uh, next verse, please. Uh, by this time, it was late in the day. So the disciples came to him. This is a remote place, they said, and it's already very late. Now, remember, they went there to get rest, and I don't know what time of, of morning or early day it was, but... I, this scripture is telling us it's late. So Jesus has talked and talked and he's fed and he's taken care of. And now it's really late. C can you give me the next one? Send the people away so that they can go to the surrounding countryside and the villages and buy themselves something to eat. I used to think, man, they were so caring. Listen, it says Jesus was compassionate. It didn't say nothing about the disciples. And I'm thinking they have been out ministering, ministering, ministering. And now we get there, and we're going somewhere to rest. We get there, there is no rest, right? And it's gone on all day long. And, it's and I'm thinking, I don't know, I'm just speaking for myself now. Did you ever get somewhere and you just think, I just want to go home? 
Or you have somebody over and you think, man, when are these people going? I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I am an introvert. I'm an introvert, so what does that tell you? My battery runs down being around people. I'm charged by being by myself. Now, if you're an extrovert, you're the opposite. When you're by yourself, it wears you down. You have to be around people to sort of get re-energized. So I was thinking this is a great excuse to tell them, send them away and let them go find something to eat. Let's close up shop. I'm hungry myself and I want to rest. Next verse. But he answered, and they did not see this one coming, and I wouldn't either. You give them something to eat. You do it. Ooh. You give them something to eat. This scripture doesn't talk about it, but in another gospel, it says that Jesus was testing them. Now think about a test. In our education, uh, you think they test you so they can give you a grade tell you how poorly you're doing, or that was my experience with school. <laughs> but really, a test allows you, it's not about them, it's about you, it allows you to understand where you're at. You know, Jesus already knows where they're at, he, he already, come on, but they don't. And it really allows them to get a sense and a feel of where they are, you know. Um, and so they go with logic. Uh, they said to him, uh, that would take more than half a year's wages. Are we to go and to spend that much on bread and give it to them to eat? Next verse. Jesus says, how many loaves do you have? Go and see, and when you find out, bring them. And so they bring five fish and two, uh, or five loaves and two fish. Uh, then Jesus directed them to have people sit down in groups of 50 or 100. Next verse. Next verse. Sorry, paraphrasing here a bit for you. Uh, taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks. He gave thanks and broke the loaves. I might not have a lot, but whatever I have, do I give thanks for what I have? And it reminds us of uh, the la what we call the Last Supper, Jesus' last Passover meal with the disciples. He did the same thing, right? He took the, the bread, he gave thanks, he broke it, and then he gave it. It says, and then he gave them to his disciples to distribute to the people. He also divided the two fish among them as well. And they all ate and were satisfied. Next verse. And the disciples picked up 12 basketful of broken pieces of bread and fish, the leftovers filled 12 baskets. And the number of men who had eaten was 5,000. And so they counted the men, but we know the crowd was larger because there would have been women and children that ate as well. Okay, uh, can we go to the next? And then it says immediately, 
Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to, to Bethsaida while he uh, dismissed the crowd. In some translations, it says that he insisted they get in a boat, in the boat. Because I'm just thinking, if I'd just seen this great miracle, this great movement, I don't know if I would have been so quick to want to get in the boat. You know? Uh, next verse. And after leaving them, he went up on the mountainside to pray. So he puts them in a boat, he dismisses the crowd, and as so often, Jesus goes off to pray. Next verse. Later that night, the boat was in the middle of the lake, and he, meaning Jesus, was alone on land. And he saw Jesus, and he saw the disciples straining with the oars because the wind was against them. So Jesus in the boat, so we know they're exactly where they're supposed to be. They are in God's will. This is where you put me. You put me in this boat. It's now dark. I'm out in the middle of the lake. And now this strong, opposing wind is coming. And they're straining, trying to make it across. And they're straining, and they're straining. It wasn't night when they got in that boat, but it sure is night now. Some... some uh, tell us that it was the fourth watch between 3 and 6 a.m. So it's very dark. They're straining, but Jesus can still see them. It says, shortly before dawn, he went out to them, walking on the lake. He was about to pass them by, but when they saw him walking on the lake, they thought he was a ghost and they cried out because they all saw him and were terrified. They were terrified. It can't be Jesus because what's coming is walking on the water. It has to be a ghost. That's logic. It's the same logic they used when they looked at the people and they said, look, it's going to take us half a year's of wages to be able to feed them. It's the same logic. Can't possibly be Jesus. Has to be a ghost. And they're terrified. But immediately he spoke to them and he said, take courage. It's I. Don't be afraid. I'm thinking about how so often when we are in God's will and he calls us to do something, opposition is always there. There is always opposition. And one thing they knew is they could not let go of the oars. They had to continue to struggle with the oars. If they would have let go of the oars, they would have been at the mercy of the sea and the waves. These are professional uh, fishermen. They know that I have to hold on to When we were growing up, my dad had a little, uh, it was a little boat, motorboat. Um, 
and he would take us out on the lake. And every once in a while, Lake St. Clair, the wind would kick up, and all of a sudden you'd have big waves. And I can remember, you know, it was kind of, um, he would, he, you know, he didn't let go of the wheel. You know, he hung onto the wheel, which would steer the boat. And you could hear the motor when the, when the boat went up at the top of the wave, you could hear the motor was different because it wasn't in the water any longer. And then you'd come down and then you'd hear it sort of grab the water, you know. And so I'm thinking the same thing in, in uh, they're out on that lake, storm comes up very quickly, continue to strain and struggle with the oars because it's no time to quit and let go. But even then when Jesus shows up, he's telling them because they're terrified, I need you to be courageous. Have courage and don't be afraid. Uh, next verse, please. Then he climbed into the boat with them, and the wind died down. And they were completely amazed. That word amazed, uh, um, when you look it up, it has different uh, meanings that it can have. It can mean uh, they were, in a sense, out of their mind. It, we call it uh, blown away. I was just blown away. You know, they get out of their wits. Uh, they c it can mean uh, to be beside yourself. It can mean to be astounded. It, can, it has a lot of meanings. So it's not necessarily um, a positive, I'm amazed. It can, it can, it can be, I, I, this is too much for me to take in. You know, this is just too, I'm so amazed, it's just too much for me to grasp. And that's, that really is the end of it, except for now we see the next line. Um, when I, that's okay. Uh, so when I'm reading this, the other, um, probably three, four weeks ago, this line was like, you know in The Wizard of Oz, when the house falls on the ridge? felt like that. Boom. For they had not understood, they were amazed, right? For they had not understood about the loaves, their hearts were hard. It's like, what? Where did that come from? Because the story seems to have been finished, but Mark, Mark is always sort of telling them that you don't, that, that they were slow to comprehend. They were slow to comprehend. And he's telling them, listen, this experience in the boat would have been totally different if you had understood about the loaves, but you missed it. You missed it. And the reason you missed it was because your heart, heart. Or in another translation, it says, because your mind is closed. Another translation, it says, because the eyes of your heart were closed. And somehow they weren't open to, 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 to receive it. Um, can we look at John? Uh, there, John 6, 14 and 15 we're going to look at. Because it gives us a little more insight. Um, John says, after the people saw the sign Jesus performed, they begin to say, surely this uh, is the prophet who is to come into the world. 
Jesus, knowing that they intended to come and to make him king by force, withdrew again to the mountain by himself. That's a detail that John puts in. Um, part of why, for, for, for me, I, have to I, I need to understand why did they miss it. Because it says this to me, you could be missing it too. You could be missing it too because you failed to comprehend or to understand either what you read in scripture or because you failed to understand how God is moving right now in the situation that you're facing in your life. So I want to know what's causing it. What's causing me to maybe miss? And uh, maybe it's just a deeper truth that needs to be revealed. How do I, how am I missing it? And part of it is here, it is explained in John. Because they already have an expectation and they already have a thought of what the Messiah is going to do and how he's going to move and what he's going to do for them. They're looking for a political king. Um, they're living under Roman occupation. And I'm just looking to uh, be out from that nation. I, I'm, I'm looking to no longer have to pay taxes to somebody uh, um, that doesn't benefit me, in a sense. Um, that sense of um, um, help me, Lord. I want to have prosperity again security and peace under Roman occupation they're at the mercy of whatever Caesar says and whatever um, uh, military is in their area it's, they don't have autonomy they don't have self-governing and so when they see Jesus Man, he just fed us all. The desire to have him be an earthly king and to, um, to fulfill my needs of making me comfortable here and now. That's a very human uh, um, response. It's very natural for us. If, if, I, if we have a choice between hard and easy, Okay, I'll speak for myself. I'm going easy. I, I, listen, I'm about comfort. That's why I have air conditioning at my house. That's, you know, in the heat of the summer, a little breeze ain't going to do it for Vicky. Okay, I'm just, I like comfort. And I know this about myself. I'm about the present, here and now. If you don't tell me in a year. <laughs> I don't want to hear about in a year. <laughs> it's very, they're human qualities about us. And right now, all they know about is I've heard enough. I've bought into it. You just keep bringing me more food. You just keep supplying in abundance. You just keep letting it be easy. I need Jesus to be who I need him to be and not who he is. That's what's happening. 
I know who I want Jesus to be. And it may not, and it definitely was not, who he really is and what his mission was really about. Um, so that's one of the, the, the obstacles. Uh, I think another obstacle is, is, is the one we started with, that sometimes things are, we're so familiar with things, right? Uh, can you do Matthew? Sometimes we're so familiar with things, we, we, we're not open to. We're not open to. This is Matthew 13, 54, and it says, Coming to his hometown, he began teaching the people in their synagogue, and they were amazed. Where did this man get this wisdom and these miraculous powers, they asked? Isn't this the carpenter's son? Isn't this, uh, um, isn't his mother named Mary? Aren't these his brothers, James and Joseph, Simon and, and Judas? Aren't all his sisters with us? Where then did this man get all these things? This sense of, uh, I know, know you. I, I, are, I'm, I know who you are. I know who your family is. And so I see you in this very human, earthly, I know you, this can't be. And, and we're told, if we went a little further, that he couldn't work miracles there. Very few could he do there because they didn't have the faith. I know him. That's Jesus. Looking at him only with earthly eyes. Um, I think another reason they missed it might have been the busyness, right? They came from already ministering. They came and they, they, uh, he used them to hand out more food. Uh, to hand out the food, and I'm thinking, you think about the potlucks when we have a potluck, that there's so much talking going on, there's so much socialization going on, so it's not like they just were down to business. When you're an introvert, you tend to stay on task and be more down to business, but especially extroverts, uh, you're more apt to socialize. When I come to clean, I come to clean, you know, and then, and then a lot of times other people are conversing and doing things. I remember when I used to come and work with uh, uh, clean with you, Mark, and with Jack. And I would be cleaning, 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 and down to business. So I got a task. And I'd look, and Jack was just talking away, and I'd be like, you know, what the heck? You know, I just about cleaned three quarters of the church. <laughs> and there was, and Jack just loved to talk, you know? It, I, I, we need both, introverts and extroverts, right? We have different, you know, but yeah. So I'm thinking about while they're, fee while they're feeding them, this was, a, this was a big, you know, there was a lot going on besides just feeding them, you know. And so I'm thinking in the busyness of it, of just distributing the food, collecting the food, interacting with the people, they could have just missed it out of just the busyness of life. You know, and sometimes we miss things just because of the busyness of our lives. So, uh, 
what are some of the things we can do that will make a difference. Um, these scriptures are not up, um, won't be up on the board, okay? These are just some of the, the thoughts that I wanted to make sure I touched and, and, and I wasn't sure which way I was going to go, so hang in there with me. Uh, 1 Corinthians 2.14 says, The person without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, but considers them foolish and cannot understand them because they are discerned only through the Spirit. If we want to, to, to go deeper, we're going to have to rely heavily on the Holy Spirit because we're not going to be able to discern them in the natural. We need the Spirit. Uh, prayer is vital. And, and I'll just start with the beginning part from Ephesians 1.18. This is Paul. I pray that the eyes of your heart might be enlightened in order that you might know. Now he goes on and, you know, it goes off in another place. But we still need to pray for, for our eyes to be open, that we can see anew. You know, uh, the Bible, it, let's just talk about the Bible. It's not a textbook. It, we can't approach it like it's a textbook. We have to approach it, and this is, uh, okay, um, I'm not a theologian, okay, we all know that. Uh, we, ha we have to approach it more relational. You know, when you sit down, it's a conversation. Holy Spirit, show me. Reveal yourself to me. I want to know you more intimately. I want to understand your ways. I want you to show me something. Take me deeper. Um, and then we've got to remember to set our minds, to keep our focus on the things that are above and not on the things of the earth. And I'll end lastly with this. If you look at the mother of Jesus, Mary, one of the things that it says about her is that she pondered, she treasured up things and pondered them in her heart. So example, when the, when the shepherds came, it says, uh, when they had seen him, speaking of the baby Jesus, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. When, when Jesus went into the temple and they left and they thought he was with them, but he wasn't, and, and so he, he says to them, didn't you know I have to be about my father's business? And it says, and he, went, uh, and he went down with them and came to Nazareth, meaning he went back home with them and was obedient to them, and his mother kept all these things in her heart. That sense of what you treasure, you put in your heart. I might not fully understand it, but I can ponder it. 
and I can take it to prayer, and I can continue to sit with it, and I can wait for it to open to me. Um, I'll end with this. On Friday, Pastor Keenan was talking about how he watched the movie Exodus. Now, I saw that movie when it first came out, and as soon as it was done, I was on the phone. It was the worst movie I ever saw. God was a child. What was that? I can't believe it. I mean, he had to wait for me to wind down so that he could speak to me. Well, on Friday, he says, Exodus was on, so I watched it again. And I started off right out of the gate. He was a child. <laughs> My boy's up three octaves in pitch. And I can see him, his eyes are like, uh. I was so closed off when I saw that movie. So closed off. As soon as I seen that, I was like out of my mind. Like, what? And he, he started to say, Vicki, do you remember this? I don't remember that. Do you remember his relationship with his son? I didn't know his son was in the movie. I said, I remember two things. I remember the crocodiles and the water got all red. Th that is seared into my brain. And, uh, and, and God, God up as this, I said he was five and Keenan was like, he was seven or eight, Vicki. Okay, <laughs> he was little. God showed up little. And as you can see, I'm still a little. <laughs> and Pastor Keenan said, Vicki, you have got to go back and watch the movie, understanding this, that God comes to us as we need him. I said, I understand that. And he said, Vicki, then look at Moses. Moses needed. He was, a, he, he was an angry man. He needed God to come as that child so that he would be open to receive because he struggled even in that, you know? And so why do I share that? To show how easily we can become closed off. I already have a thought. And so uh, after reading Old Testament, you can't have God show up as a seven-year-old boy. It don't work for Vicki. And it's still, listen, I'm going to go back and watch that movie sheerly only out of obedience. <laughs> he told me to watch it. I'm going to watch it. But not because, I hope I'm a little more open, but sometimes we approach things with that mindset. We still have to be humble enough to be able to still receive. You know, we have to realize that right now we, we know in part our knowledge is partial knowledge. It's not until we, uh, until we go and we stand face to face that we will have full knowledge. So we're constantly learning, and we have to constantly be open and humble enough. Humble enough. Um, that we, we all know um, Isaiah 55. Uh, my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. They are so much higher than yours. So much higher than yours, and yet sometimes we cling to our own understanding, our own thoughts, and our own ways. And even when 
listen, I, it had to be a glorious day when that began to change even slightly in our house because I was positive that my way was better than Sam's way, that my thoughts were, I hate to say it, Lord, superior to Sam's thoughts, uh, and I pushed to get my way. That's what makes marriage so rough, right? When I have the arrogancy, it's arrogant to think that my way is superior to my husband's or that for, for some way my thought is better than his. And I might not have come out and said that, but I lived like that, and poor Sam had to live like that because it was unyielding, unyielding. So we have to realize. And you know, sometimes, um, I, I, one more thing and then I'm done. I remember um, uh, we're, we went through and we're sto still sort of going through something as a family. It doesn't impact me and Sam per um, personally, but we, we still have a situation in our family. And I remember praying to the Lord and saying, uh, whatever your will is and and what, you know, uh, I, I just I, because, why? Because I know that's the way I'm supposed to pray. I've been given enough understanding and knowledge that's the way. But when the outcome came, it was like, what? <laughs> Do whatever you want. But when that came, what? What was that? I thought you would. <laughs> Sometimes we enter in because we know the right way to enter in, but in our hearts, we got a whole nother thing. I thought without me even saying it, you'd have moved like I think you should have moved, you know? And, but God in his infinite wisdom, in his perfect knowledge, I've, uh, we don't know the totality of the outcome of the way he's taken us. But I can trust all things work for the good of those who love him and are, a, and are called and for his greater glory. You know, that next line says about us being conformed into the image of his son. We, we, we always look at that it's going to work out for my good. Yes, it, it, it is. But your good is tied into being conformed into the image of Jesus. So, Heavenly Father, I do give you glory, honor, and praise. And I, I thank you for today. I, I thank you for your word, Father God. A living, organic word, Father God. And I love Thank you, Father God, that it's all about relationships. It's all about seeing you and, and interacting with you and growing in you and you in us. So we pray, Father God, to continue to have humble hearts, Father God. We pray, Father God, to continue to be open to your spirit and to allow you to move and to reveal. Oh, give us softer hearts and help us with 
our understanding, Father God. Understanding this, that the disciples really didn't get it till after Jesus was risen. Help us to be patient, Father God, because we might not grasp it all right away, Father God. But you can still move powerfully. You still use them with the limits of their understanding. You, you still move mightily, Father God. But we do ask that you just continue to move and to move mightily and to continue to reveal yourself that we might know you as we are known. So have your way in this house. Have your way in our lives. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.